Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show, bringing you brand new Star Wars news, reviews, discussion, and random spotlights every single Saturday. Now, I'm your host, Mark Asquith. With me is my good friend, Mr. Gary Ayler. How are you doing, my man? I am always good when I'm chatting Star Wars with you, buddy. No, I'm really good, man. How are you? That was smooth. I'm good. I'm always, I feel like I need to say like, something like that back now. Um, yeah, man. Don't um, reciprocate if you don't mean it. I'm, I'm better now that I'm talking to you, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the show this week, we've got some really cool stuff coming up. We've got some potential Disney Plus streaming news featuring a fan favorite character. We've got something that's going to please you, my man. I know all about this. A little bit more news, perhaps, on the new Star Wars trilogy of movies coming out, and we've got a brand new podcast, which, you know, ordinarily feels a bit weird to kind of promote something that could steal your ears, but this one is well worth it. So we're going to dig into that in a moment as well, and then we're going to dig into what is the what is the real pressure with EA when it comes to Jedi Fallen Order? What does that look like for the company, the gaming company, when it comes to Star Wars games? And then we're going to pick something from the dear old Phantom Menace for our random spotlight. So it's going to be a fun one today. And just before we dig into that, remember, if you want some of that executive producer credit, some of that exec producer juice on the show, or if you want a famous, now famous Sparker Rebellion sticker for your laptop or your other merchandisings, then all you need to do is become one of our supporters over on Patreon. Now, you can do that very easily by heading to patreon.com forward slash Rebellion. Just go ahead and choose choose the tier that you want to join. We've actually just we've just created a brand new force sensitive tier which means you can support the show for just one book per month. So go and check it out patreon.com/sparkofrebellion and hit us up on all the socials Spark of Rebellion. Do a search for that on every social and you'll find us. So, Gary, going to be an interesting one this week, dude. We've got a few bits of interesting news, but before we get to that, what what have you been doing Star Wars wise this week, man? Uh, for me, buddy, I've finally finished the reread of Star Wars Thrawn. I said I was going to do it. I had that last chapter to do last week. And uh, yeah, nailed that, man. Just put that to bed so I can move on to uh, some other Star Wars bookage. I think the next one in the list is going to be the Master and Apprentice book because your um, your review a few episodes ago, just re- you know when you're reading something, especially on a reread anyway, so you already know the story. And you think, oh, I know I'm reading this, but I've got this other book in the pipeline that I'm really looking forward to. So um, it almost becomes a, it almost becomes a situation of you just going through the motions almost just to get through it because my OCD kicks in after a little while. And I think, well, I can't just put the book down and just leave it with like one chapter to go. I have to finish it. So that's all done and put to bed, um, which I did the other night. So I've got the the other book that you're actually reading, um, the 
astrophysics for people in a hurry. Uh, so that's on the list. So that's probably going to be started when I finish Lord of the Rings, which that's nearly finished. So it's a bit like a, a relay. So there's always a baton being passed on somewhere. But uh, I'm also picking up uh, a bit of a, a Star Wars, um, uh, the Clone Wars rewatch as well. So I did a, a Star Wars Rebels rewatch a couple of months back. That was really awesome. Um, but it's been a long time since I've watched through the the animated series. So uh, I'm trying this other this other uh, rewatch method, I suppose, this order um, that you can get from. There's a bunch of different sites. I think even the official StarWars.com uh, website has got it on there as well. It's like an alternate uh, viewing order. So instead of just going through series one, two, three, four, blah, 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 uh, you you start off with the chronological. Uh, timeline from the from the Clone Wars animated stuff. So uh, I've watched about four episodes of that. Um, so I'm just. It, it's interesting because the the Clone Wars. You could as you go through each series of the Clone Wars, you can see that the technology is improved every time that they go through it. So the picture quality is really good on some of the later stuff and the animation quality and all that stuff. So it's really weird to kind of. And thank God I've got it on uh, the Disney in the UK. We have the Disney Life app which is, I think, it's, it's almost like a pre-runner to the Disney Plus app that's going to be out later on in the year. But thank God for that, because otherwise I'd be up and down changing Blu-ray discs and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, man, just uh, diving into some Clone Wars stuff, because who who never gets tired of the Clone Wars stuff? It Nobody. Really is, it really is a good show, isn't it? And it fills yeah. so many mythology gaps and introduces so many concepts. So, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. From my side, that um, astrophysics... For people in a hurry, but the Neil deGrasse Tyson bucket, I finished it last night. It's it's a what? serious, like, meaty read. It's it's not an easy one. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's this, all the simple versions of the concepts, and you're like, oh, man, these are people way smarter than me. But it's really, really interesting. There's some really good stuff in it. I just picked up another couple. I'll show you, actually, as well, which are kind of interesting ones. There's this one by Carlo Rovelli, which sounds like, why the hell are we talking about this on a, on a Star Wars show? <laughs> but it all comes from this kind of like, what happens in galaxies? It, like, this is what piqued my interest. So we've got Reality is Not What It Seems by Carlo Rovelli. And he does another nice. book, which nice. blows my mind, which is quantum, uh, a quant another quantum physics book. Then this one is supposed to be awesome, which is how to teach quantum physics to your dog. And it's it's basically a story of someone kind of going through the process of talking to their dog about what if you could be in this garden and if you could get <laughs> and, and you were in that garden at the same time like it's, it's sort of this really interesting storified version of quantum physics um concepts that's just really laid out for guys like you and me that aren't astrophysicists or quantum mechanics and engineers in that kind of side of thing things and it's just it's supposed to be really good, so I'm going to start that tonight as well. Um, and then I watched, nice. I rewatched yeah. Solo the other day. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was interesting. Did you see the old fan petition online about them yeah. wanting to do the Solo 2? What did you make of that? Yeah, I saw that uh, hashtag knocking around quite a few um, uh, Star Wars sites and Twitter accounts, and I thought, um, isn't that an old thing? I'm pretty sure they did that shortly after the release of the first one. Didn't they? I think it's been resurrected to try and get some traction on that. And I think it's, it's done fairly well. Um, I don't know, man. I think they, I think Lucasfilm and Disney have canned the idea for now, haven't they? So it, I think it's going to take a lot of signatures to get that back on the radar. I think that would muddy the waters a little bit of what's coming up with these updated 
uh, sorry, these uh, upcoming uh, films after the rise of Skywalker. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I'd love to see it because I really like Solo. I think it's a, a really, I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit fan servicey, but overall, it's a cracking. Do you like it? Because I think it's a cracking film. It was one of those that when I watched it the first time, I was like, ah, waste of time. Like it's like they've just filmed the Wikipedia page, and I was just not a fan of that. It was sort of like the Han Solo character for me was much better when they had a little bit of mystery about him. But then the more I've watched it and the more I've I've just enjoyed each chapter of the Star Wars saga, the more I've come to appreciate it because it's just a swashbuckling, fun little film that just happens to fill in a few of the bits that we kind of already know happened, but it was nice to see happen as well. And obviously mm-hmm. the mall thing at the end and uh, and the, the whole Dryden Voss thing, which which I, I was interested in because it tied into the Clone Wars, you know, the the, the rise of the crime syndicates and... Um, how the, the the galaxy was filled with that kind of thing as well, that started to interest me. So, the more I watch it, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a must watch for anyone that's a casual Star Wars fan, but as a as a real hardcore fan, I think it's one of those chapters that you'd be you'd be kind of foolish to miss. Now that I've learned to appreciate it for what it is, um, okay. So yeah, I don't know. I I think it was probably judged a little bit too harshly, and I mean the release window was weird, and when it was put out was odd, and it was just it, it suffered a little bit, didn't it? But uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty decent, solid film, man. Hmm. And it's got Chewbacca in it, so which is always good. And actually, which is you know always. What, uh, is it Alden uh, Heinrich? How do you say? I don't know how you say his surname. I apologize if you're listening. Um, but it's. <laughs> Like he he actually did a pretty solid job of getting all all Harrison Ford's mannerisms down and the stance and everything else that 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 Harrison Ford kind of did. He actually put a lot of work into that when you look at it. He did, yeah. There was one. It's a it's a fleeting moment, and you, it's like a blink and miss it. But the, you know the scene where they're they're trying to rob the train that's running through the cliffs, and uh, and they're trying to break into it while it's like zooming along and stuff. There's a bit where they almost fall off of it, and the way that he shouts Chewie is exactly the same as when Harrison Ford shouted in one of the films when they were in a shootout or something. Just the way that he shouted his name, because for a second I thought, did they did they lift that out of the original trilogy and, and slot it in? But now apparently, like you say, it's um he's got all his mannerisms down and he looks and sounds very very close to what you would imagine a young Harrison Ford to be. That's Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, fair play on that one. I always have my appeal that can do that as well. You know, that's it's not an easy thing to do. So that's Solo. We, uh, you know, we appreciate Solo. Let us know your feedback. Give us a little tweet on that one. Uh, like I said, go and find us on, on all the social medias. Give us a little tweet. Let us know what you think of Solo if you're listening to the show. And let's dig into the first bit of news because we talked actually for the last couple of weeks about what the next set of trilogy films will be like. And... We had some discussion about Benioff and Weiss and, you know, what what kind of era could they play in? There was a couple of, uh, of kind of bits of speculation out there that all of the other films that will come out will be potentially prequels. There was something on sci-fi.com where it was saying, or it was arguing the case that everything should be a prequel. And then lo and behold, early this week, I think I texted you, I sent you a Slack message and I was like, dude, this is your dream come true. It's kind of confirmed that uh, later Caligridis is going to be writing a Knights of the Old Republic movie and or trilogy, which is huge news. Huge news, dude. 
that is massive news, isn't it? Because uh, speculating aside, we genuinely had no idea what the other films were going to, what time period those other films were going to occupy uh, after the Skywalker uh, saga. So there was lots of rumours and and speculation zipping around the interwebs and so on. It's like, come on, they've got to do, they, they've either got to go really far into the future or they've got to go really far back. And if they're going to go back, the only logical choice really is to pick up the the old Republic stuff because it's the, uh, you know, I think it's the video games that have, that have cemented that era of star Wars as like a really good era to explore with additional stories because uh, since those, those games have, have, have amassed like a, a huge amount of players over the years, it's, it's almost like its own little extended universe in a way, because it's like, a, of course it's linked into the wider extended universe, but it's like a little, area of star wars where there are so many fans that love it and have played it for so many years it's um yeah it's just it occupies a really cool area of fandom and it's it's not like uh it's not like some of the other games that have been and gone like the old um dark forces games or the old uh jedi outcast and and those sorts of things where they're great in their own respect but Unless you're just going to keep churning out sequels all the time, there's no longevity really to those. They, they might get stale after a little while. Whereas the old Republic stuff, there's just so the, the the time period is so vast, and the just the breadth of characters and that whole history behind the Force and all. It's just a massive sort of thing to to dive into. You'd be crazy not to try and get at least one film set in that time period. So. I think this is going to be a cracking, if they can make a trilogy out of this, I think this is going to be a cracking era of Star Wars to, um, to get into. And uh, yeah, and I think the, um, uh, the, the, the person who's potentially going to be, uh, Caligridis, who's potentially going to be writing this, she's got some really good science fiction uh, writing under her belt. So I had a quick look through earlier. So um, what did she, she looked at? Uh, Avatar, Terminator Genesis. Um, some old DC stuff, Birds of Prey, which is pretty good. Um, and the, the recent, uh, was it Alita Battle Angel? So she's got some really good, uh, science fiction shops. Uh, what do you think, man? Knights of the Old Republic, you into this era or you, you're not fussed? I think it's a really, really strong era to go and mine. I think there's enough in there to tie it to the, the Skywalkers and the Palpatines and the, um, the Kenobis and the Yodas and, and it, it I think there's plenty in there where you can do enough to please the fans with enough subtle Easter eggs to make it feel like a Star Wars film, which is a lot. Obviously, a lot of people complained about that in the prequels that it felt a little different. I think there's plenty in there. Um, I also think you've kind of got you know this 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 audience today is only satisfied by big old kind of battles, amazing, well choreographed fight scenes, and you know the whole Game of Thrones style battles and budgets and like what what a fantastic era to era to visit because we know even though they're going you know if i think knights of the old republic is what like four thousand years in the past it's crazy Mm -hmm. but you know that's not to say they have to go that far back they could call it knights of the old republic do all the same stories just go a thousand years back and then suddenly you know you're only a hundred years away from yoda and you you Mm kind of there's some options is what i'm saying where you can give fans something new but you can you can leave enough of the original saga and the other content in there 
in various different guises that people will be like, ah, right, this is Star Wars. It's the Star Wars that I know. It's just telling this earlier chapter in that kind of bigger picture. So I do think it's a really interesting thing. And I think as long as fans are mindful of the fact that it doesn't necessarily need to follow the same storylines, it doesn't necessarily need to have the same characters appearing in the same time frames that they did in the games. You know, like I said, you could you could maybe maybe bring a um, a Darth Reaven into the mix and it just mm-hmm. be four hundred years in the past or two hundred yeah. years yeah. or like there's plenty of options to reactivate a lot of the, the the amazing characters that people know and love, but keep it kind of fresh as well. So I'm excited, dude. Like you said, I think Caligridis has got a lot of a lot of pedigree, a lot of a lot of writing chops in this kind of sci-fi space. Anyone that's in sci-fi will know the name. Um mm. so I'm excited by it. I think it will be very, very interesting. And what interests me is like what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do to get people excited for a brand new era of Star Wars that they're not familiar with. Because if you think about the trailers, the marketing for everything right back through anything that's post original trilogy. So Phantom Menace. All right. Okay. There's a silhouette of, of Darth Vader. We get that. There's a shadow. Then you've got Attack of the Clones. Oh, look at that. They kind of look like stormtroopers. And then you've got Revenge of the Sith. It's sort of like, oh, wait a second. What? This is... This is Darth Vader, the rise thereof. And then you've got, you know, you jump up to Rogue One and and it's like, well, there's definitely a Death Star in that trailer. (laughs) Force Awakens, you know, you look at everything. Solo is called Solo. You know, it's it's very, very obvious. So everything that has been done in the past is linked to the casual viewer somehow to something that they already recognise. And I think that is the only thing that slightly concerns me is that if they put such a budget into this, they are going to have to do something to activate the casual fan and make them want to go and see it. Whether that's by the Game of Thrones guys, whether that's, look at this, Lord of the Rings style big old battles, or whether it's actually, is that little green thing Yoda? Could that possibly be, you know, so I just wonder about that because mm. if it has a financial fail, you know, if it doesn't do so well because they take a risk on people just thinking, it's got a Star Wars tag. Mm, is that enough? You know, because if it does fail, that ruins the rest of the trilogy. They probably won't get made. So that's that's my only slight concern with it. But I mean, these guys know what they're doing. You know, they've, they've only had one one flop, and it's not even a bloody flop when it comes to Solo. Um, you know, it just didn't do what everyone expected it to do. So yeah, that that's the only thing that I'd say, dude. Yeah, I read you. So you're saying there's high expectations because it's a Star Wars film there's a lot of expectation on it it's in a similar way that they 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 lumped all of that pressure onto solo because it's a star wars film it has you know it's expected to make you know mega bucks and, and be uber successful so um but i th- yeah i'm with you man it is a concern but i think the characters are, are solid enough because it because it, it, they're, they're that solid that uh, so many people think that all that stuff is officially canon and it's it's not really but a lot of people think it is because it's that good. I, I think it's just really uh, the marketing guys have really got to go nuts on it for a while. I think if they can get the marketing budget behind it and really get people invested into the characters and the stories before that first one launches, then you know more so than they have done before for that very reason that it, it's not the it's not the common Star Wars stuff that you see out in the wild all the time from all those other trilogies. So yeah, man, the marketing guys have. 
get those interns out, get some get some some decent uh, some minds behind it, and maybe maybe get the interns on it. Maybe a Lego game. Lego game. Know. Work. Oh, we need to just bring Dave back. The guy that cleans the Chewbacca shoes and counts the switches. <laughs> Dave, a little bit of market research. Um, we're going to dress you up like an old medieval guy, but we're going to give you this Toys R Us lightsaber. Just go and see what people say to you out there in the wild. And just just come back when you got some feedback. Poor old Dave, he gets a rough ride. Send him off around Galaxy's Edge with an iPad. Just ask people what they think. So Knights of the Old Republic, sure. You know, you know what it is. But is it worth time versus, you know, just get him out there doing some, we can get some data from that, mate. It's going to be like a bunch of kids, but that's all good. And people say it's just a pair of tits. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Mark Mark this episode as explicit because it has the word tits in it. Sorry for the office jokes, everyone. I apologize. But we're not, because that's our second favourite thing. If maybe our first favourite thing. All right, so that's Knights of the Old Republic. Now, (laughs) speaking of old things, in this case, old dudes, there was, say, the next bit of news was, cast your mind back to back in the day when, when Rogue One was coming out and Solo was announced and it felt like this golden era of brand new Star Wars movies announcements. We were going to get the Boba Fett movie, which eventually became, I believe, the Mandalorian TV show from Favreau. And of course, there was rumours abound that we were going to get an Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone movie and or trilogy as well. That seemed to get shelved when Solo didn't do so well at the box office. And Kathleen Kennedy said, well, the, we're going to stick a pin in it. We're going to just kind of, you know, we're going to sit back. We're going to hang fire. We're going to, we're just going to wait a little while and, and see what happens with these standalone uh, Star Wars projects. And then this week, lo and behold, there was a little bit of a uh, little bit of news from IGN over in India with a little rumor that apparently an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series is coming to the Disney Plus streaming service with our man, Ewan McGregor. So I don't know how much credibility to give this because it's not it's not formally announced, but uh, you know it's a, it's a nice to have. So what do you make of that, dude? How much how much truth do you think there is to this? I think this makes sense, you know, because how however cool the Mandalorian looks, and it does look bloody cool. It's still not. This this goes back to what you were saying a, a few moments ago about everything that we've seen before is always linked to some big character or thing from Star Wars, like the Death Star or whatever. So you immediately get that, yeah, this is Star Wars. So the Mandalorian, it's not Boba Fett, is it? Let's be honest. But like I said, it does look really cool. It looks amazing. But I think this makes sense because alongside these uh, projects like the Mandalorian, which don't really focus on these big, well-known characters, or tentpole uh, characters, some somebody like Obi Wan is 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 like the audience puller. You know, really, I think the crux of this comes down to who stars in it. I think if they can draft in McGregor and get him to do it, this will blow the roof off. But it, it, I don't know who else would. This is really strange because I don't know. If, no one's ever been replaced, have they? within Star Wars in terms of uh, people starring as their own characters. And if they do make an Obi-Wan TV show, it will absolutely be canon for sure. So if they replace Ewan McGregor, that's, 
I don't know if that's going to really upset the apple cart and everyone's just going to, you know, boycott that and, and go nuts over it because so many fans have been shouting and screaming for years now that they want a standalone Obi-Wan film starring Ewan McGregor. If they were to say, okay, yeah, we, we're not going to invest in that, but we're going to focus more on TV as a medium, but McGregor's not going to do it. Oh, I don't know, man. I, for one, would I'd, I'd be pretty pissed at that. Likewise. And you, you're totally right with that. I mean, you know, the Clone Wars fleshed out the character of Obi-Wan so very well um, off the back of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, sorry, not Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, of course. And it, it's one of those weird scenarios where, you're right, no one has been replaced apart from, of course, uh, Han Solo in, in, in the Solo movie. But that was a very different kettle of fish. It was, it was an age thing. It was just purely an age thing. And, you know, Ewan McGregor's at the right age. Ewan McGregor looks like he's been the same age for about 42 years anyway. He's you know, <laughs> one of those annoying people that always look so good. But, it, yeah, I mean, what could you possibly do with this if it's not Ewan McGregor? I think it, 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 you're right. It's one of those sort of, if, if HBO got this, you know, and they were able to put a Game of Thrones-style budget behind it, which, let's be honest, Disney are more likely, more than likely able to do. They're going to probably do that. You wouldn't bat an eyelid at you and McGregor being cast on a HBO show. And, you know, I think this has got the same credibility. It's got the same size to it. It's got the same quality levels, the same... I mean, John Favreau and the people that are involved, Ta- uh, Taika Waititi, involved in The Mandalorian. Like, that's huge. Like, it's huge. <laughs> huge production. So I think this makes perfect sense as well. And it's almost... Because they've got that much amazing stuff launching on Disney Plus, you know, you've got all the Marvel stuff, you've got it's been confirmed over the last couple of days that, you know, it all takes place within the MCU canon, all the Marvel stuff, you know, Winter Soldier and 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 the Wonder and the Vision show and the Falcon guys all together with uh with the Loki show and Hawkeye, you know, they they they're able to take these characters and theoretically put them on this service. Um so I can't see it not being doable and I can't see McGregor saying no to it because it's you and McGregor. You know, I can't think of many actors that have got as varied a set of roles from indie films through to, well, Star Wars. So I think it does kind of work. So here's a question. Where would you set it? Where would you put this? Would you put it, would you kind of put it post-Revenge of the Sith but pre-the um, showdown in Rebels or would you go post-Rebels pre-New Hope in that couple of year gap? Like, where would you put this? Uh, I would put this. Do you know what? I'm? My mind is is influenced by the really cool book, Kenobi by John Jackson. It's such a good book. And that's it. When Obi-Wan first arrives on Tatooine has handed over Luke. And now it's his job to oversee and look out, look out for him. So, um, and in that book, it doesn't really focus on Luke at all. He's hardly ever mentioned. In fact, he's never mentioned by name. Um, and it's about uh, Obi-Wan's involvement in trying to build kind of friendships in a way to the, around the other people on Tatooine, but also keeping a really low profile. And then how he gets mixed up with sort of uh, almost a bit of romance with somebody and then entanglements with the sand people and all this stuff. It's a cracking period because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a lot of stuff. It's got a lot of lore around Tatooine as well and all the other stuff that goes on Tatooine. So, um, so I, my mind's leaning toward that just because I love that book so much, but I think there's also a lot of, 
yeah, yeah I'm going I'm to stick with that because otherwise I'll talk about it all day. But yeah, I reckon, yeah, just after uh, Revenge of the Sith, in between that and the New Hope, I reckon that's got loads of potential. Yeah, I agree, dude. I'd, and I'd go just a tad later, so I'd be like, okay, two years, three years after the exile. Um, and, okay. And just, but yeah, essentially the same period. Um, and, le- you know, lead it up to that. Um, actually, come at this from a different angle. The whole setup side of things, you know, him building relationships and doing what he does on Tatooine, I think is great. But I'd kind of like to see a little bit more about him avoiding the purge the jedi purge that uh, vader and the inquisitors were up to you know luke a little bit older so luke being you know maybe six seven eight maybe 10 years old so you've got a huge time frame there you've got 19 years mm. where he's like he's, you know he's a bit of a he's a bit rambunctious he's a bit of a pain in the ass he's like oh he's definitely his father's son he's got that inquisitive nature off he goes doing this with bigs you know what a pain in my ass but i better go and look and make sure, and just start to get a feel for that, and then even maybe bring in, not even Vader, but the threat of Vader, you know, where it's kind of like, okay, they're, they're Inquisitors over there on the other side of the planet. What's, like, how does Obi-Wan interact with that mm-hmm. to keep them away from this side? So I just, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, but I'd like to see where Luke's just a just a tiny bit older, so he can be a little bit more of a thorn in Obi Wan's side, um, and look at how how we got the rep of um, it's not Obi Wan Kenobi, it's old Ben Kenobi. Do you mean old Ben? You know, how did he get that rep of being the mm-hmm. hermit, and what did Luke think of him growing yeah, up? Yeah. As lo- yeah, as long as they don't replicate too closely the storyline from Star Wars Rebels, because Ezra is like that sort of that young, you know, the young and who's kind of he, his force, his abilities in the force are recognised by Kanan, and he's like a real troublemaker and a bit of a troubled young lad. So, yeah, but as as long as they don't try and copy that too much, because otherwise it falls into the Force Awakens is a copy of A New Hope. But otherwise, man, I'm totally with you. If they, if they can get some really cool chemistry between Luke as a young lad and Obi-Wan trying to look out for him and his run-ins with Uncle Owen and all that stuff, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, dude. Looking forward to that. Then hopefully that will reveal more news over the coming weeks. We'll keep our eyes peeled on that and keep reporting that back to you. Remember as well, we'll put... Put all the links in the show notes. We like to make our show notes pretty comprehensive, so we'll get the links to everything out there for you in the show notes. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever your podcast app of choice is, just give the screen a little tap and you can get to all the links for these news stories. Uh, now, last up, a quick little bit of news. It's a new podcast. So the the, the podcast production company, Wondery, um, who are based out of New York City, they're, they're actually really solid people. I've, I'm fortunate enough to have spent some time with them and got to know them um, at podcast events over the last few years. These guys are a wonderful production house and they produce some of my favourite podcasts. So they produce um, Business Wars, they produce all sorts of amazing shows that are very well researched, very well put together and very highly developed. And they've launched a brand new podcast, which is absolutely fantastic. It's a story-based podcast called Inside Star Wars. Now, we'll put the link in the show notes to the Spotify page for this podcast, but just go and check it out because we had the blockbuster launch, the story of Star Wars and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg a couple of weeks ago. So this is this is content that's starting to be mined 
and it's starting to be dramatized a little bit and digging being dug into a little bit so this show looks really interesting the first two episodes are all around um there's a little bit of a trailer, but there's also also things like, um, okay, what you know, what happens in the red hot Tunisian desert? How much of a pain in the backside was that to film? Then you've got Princess Leia turning up with Debbie Reynolds and, and going through the audition process. So it's really well dramatized. Um, right now, as at the time of recording, there's only two major episodes out there, but of course there will be more as Wondery releases them. So just I just wanted to recommend that to you. And uh, guys, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, but just to kind of put it on our radar as well for, for, for commentary, really. Yeah, man, it looks really good. And I really like the idea of, uh, as you said, uh, it sounds weird us promoting another podcast, but these guys are really, really, uh, in terms of podcasting, they know they're, stuff i was going to say another word there. Uh, but they really know this stuff um uh, coincidentally i listened to a podcast i didn't even realize it was by those guys uh, life is short with justin long really really good listen if you can get your ears around that one that's a, a funny uh educational little podcast but uh, yeah the wondery guys it's um yeah it's do you know what it's good to see it's good to see star wars being used not for the sake of because when when you and i started this podcast uh, our train of thought was you know, we're not just going to sit here and talk about one thing the whole time. We wanted to try and really break it down. So we've got a good structure and uh, we report to you guys on what we feel is some relevant news and what's going on and then just pick some random silly stuff. Uh, so it's good to see that it's not just another podcast doing the same thing where everyone's talking about the same news all the time and or they're just picking a, a film to to review or an episode of Claymore to review, they've actually taken it from a slightly different angle. And like you said, they've dramatized it a little bit. And so, yeah, this is definitely on the radar. So I've got this um, subscribed. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've subscribed to it. So um, when I get some time tomorrow, I'll, uh, I'll give the first couple a listen. So yeah, the first two episodes are alive at the moment, plus a little trailer. So sounds very intriguing, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it will be really high quality. So congratulations to uh, Hernan and the team over at Wonder for launching that one and go and get it in your ears if you're a Star Wars fan. It's, it's sure to be a fun ride and, and they really do produce some amazing content. Now, we're going to dig into the review and discussion section, which um, is an interesting one. So Gary, you put this one on. It's about the Star Wars gaming side of things. And in particular, the pressure on EA games for... Jedi Fallen Order to succeed because we've had a few missteps when it comes to Star Wars games. EA themselves have been right at the centre of that with the whole loot crate debacle when it came to Battlefront. Battlefront won decent game, not a great campaign. In fact, no campaign at all for the first one. The second one, great campaign, albeit short, but decent multiplayer. And is this make or break then for EA? What are your thoughts on this? You're the gaming guru when it comes to this partnership. So what are your thoughts, dude? Yeah, I thought this was an interesting one because they, there's, I think just Star Wars gaming is coming into some some important moments uh, in the near future. So we've got E3 around the corner, and that's going to give us our first uh, gameplay uh, show off, if you like, of the upcoming Fallen Order, which is out at the end of the year. And then we've also got this talk around the Knights of the Old Republic movies being made based off of the video game. Uh, series and so on so i just thought that game star wars gaming in particular was was in the in the sort of in in the air so to speak and there's also some talk of lucas arts or lucas games or whatever it's called uh, being uh, reignited because back in the day 
it's LucasArts, isn't it? The video game division of Lucas. Yeah. So LucasArts, they've churned out some cracking Star Wars games as well as some other stuff. But it was all canned off when Disney bought Lucasfilm. They just shut it all down. And that's when they offed the license over to EA. And then EA, uh, you know, exclusively started uh, making games with various studios like Dice and so on. So there's also been talk of LucasArts being uh, reset up as well to whether or not they're going to do their own Star Wars games or they're going to do something else, I'm not sure. But anyways, because gaming's kind of out there at the minute, I just thought it'd be a good chance to uh, just see what, talk about the pressure really that's on Fallen Order in terms of the studio itself and also um, on EA itself. Because I get the feeling that it will there will only be another chance, if you like, for EA to really cement themselves as, as a as a decent and, and proper publisher for Star Wars games, because so far what they've done in, with the license has just been just, it, it's terrible in a word over the years because they promised so much and we had all these really cool ideas for other other Star Wars games outside of the Battlefront series because I think that was the that that was the one that was really going to pull people in because it had this longevity in terms of investing in DLCs over time and the whole multiplayer thing and they're releasing content updates for it and to give to give DICE and those other studios that work on that their due that Star Wars Battlefront 2 anyway is a very different game now than when it launched because the we had all that criticism around loot boxes and all that jazz when it first launched and there was a big backlash so they took that out but then people complained that the gameplay mechanics weren't that great and the content wasn't there and and all that stuff so over the years, they've they've really they they put their foot on the gas and they've got loads of updates out and they've released lots of characters and so on. So that's all great. But the problem is, is that fans. Are, it's been this way for years anyway, as you know, mate. You know, fans of of anything will tell you if they don't like something. But video game fans in particular, they really go to town on anywhere they can find to vent their whether it's Reddit, Twitter whatever it is and they've over the years they've become a bit of a you know the gaming community as a whole has become a a bit of a force to be reckoned with because back in the day it was a, a case of video game publishers distributed games and if you liked it great if you didn't too bad but now a lot of gamers band together and they start voting with their wallet and they start to boycott games and so on if you look at a really good example of this is the recently released uh, anthem which is a kind of sci-fi looter shooter in the same vein as something like Destiny or The Division, that type of game. And the player, and that's a huge game. That, that's had millions and, you know, so much money pumped into it and it was hyped up and everything. And then because the content wasn't there and everything that they, they said that you could do before launch, you couldn't do. And they said, oh, don't worry, we're going to fix it. It's now... It's it's not it doesn't even appear in the top fifty games on, on on Xbox and and on Twitch. It's like I think something like Destiny Two, when that's uh, it's well what is it? It's Prime. It's something like I don't know, like fourteen thousand people streaming it. Whereas Anthem's got like a hundred and twelve. Not even that sometimes. So I'm wondering if if EA are really feeling. Or if uh, Respawn, the studio that have made Fallen Order, are really feeling the pressure around this because th- we've also had these cancellations as well. There was that really cool game that 
uh, what was the, I think it was uh, one of the writers who had worked over it uh, on the Drake Uncharted series. Uh, she was she was brought on to write this Star Wars, this really big uh, narrative-driven uh, story-based non-multiplayer game. Uh, and it sounded so good. It was a really cool... Uh, it, it, it was unique. It, it didn't. Uh, it didn't bind itself to another area of Star Wars or, or rely on anything else. It was a really cool um, story, and EA just canned it for monetary reasons because they felt because it was a single player game, just like Uncharted. It's like, well, we can't. The most that we can do is maybe pump some DLC, but that's money to make, and we're not going to make that back potentially. And there's no multiplayer, so they canned it, and everyone went nuts. And then there was another. Uh, game that they or the, another studio that was making a game and they just closed them down so that was that out the window and then they the, the game that they were going to make uh which is this really cool single player game they just threw it over to respawn and said right you've got a year i think it is to come up with this really cool uh, star wars game you can use some of the stuff that uh, amy hennig had wrote when she uh, it was visceral games that was it visceral games uh, so they said you can use a bunch of that stuff but we want something out really quickly, 2019. So it really comes down to, is, is the, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as, it's not very, I'm, I don't want to be clickbaity in a way and say is the future of Star Wars gaming in, in jeopardy be, you know, due to this title, but there must be a lot of pressure uh, on those guys at Respawn and EA to get this right because the, the hiccups that they've had before and all of these other games that sounded really good, but just because there wasn't enough dollars floating around, they've canned it all. This really is the next decent step outside of the Battlefront series, which I assume is going to continue into next gen. So we're going to have Battlefront 3 in 2020 or 2021 with the new consoles and stuff. So this is really its own thing that has to carry the, the, the Star Wars uh, like I said, if we go back to when LucasArts was pumping out video games in the Star Wars universe, it's not like that these days. The, the, the games are few and far between in the Star Wars you know, release schedule. It's not like the films where you've got a, a, a definitive roadmap where I know that Rise of Skywalker is out this year, then we've got these new trilogies, and this year and this year, it's not like that. So, yeah, man, I'm ranting a little bit here. I know I realize that, but I, I just feel like EA should just relinquish the, the license for Star Wars games and Lucasfilm should then shop it around to non-exclusivity where they can just have two or three really good studios or publishers working on it and then they can decide, yep, I'm going to do a really cool multiplayer game or I'm going to do this awesome story-driven narrative game and just open it up because EA, they're just, yeah, so far, they're not bringing the bacon. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point. And I, I'm, I'm definitely not as, as au fait with the gaming side of this as you are. Um, and the only thing that I'd, I'd just supplement that with is, is just to follow up what you just said at the last there, which is you always get better when people have to kind of pitch for the work. And I know it's not as clear clear cut as that. It's not, not naive enough to think that, that that's how it works. But ultimately, exclusivity can breed a little bit of just resting on your laurels and not necessarily doing the best for the for the content or for the game or for the, the, the community. It's ultimately what's best for the bottom line, which works. But if you look back at everything that's ever happened with any franchise that's done well, the, the, the first thing that you do, the second thing that you do, most of it is fan service. And it's, it's you know, whether that's a movie, you know, The Matrix, but no one expects it to be that big. 
A New Hope. No one expected it to be that big. Taken. No one expects it to be that big. The second and third film, you know, something like Taken or The Matrix, awful. And it's because they forget what they started with, you know, and I, I agree with that. If you shop it around, give people the opportunity to develop and pitch ideas that that come from fans. You know, this is why I always think Kevin Smith's got a point when he says, why the hell are comic book writers at DC Studios not writing DC Comics films? Like, get Jeff Johns writing a Green Lantern film. Get Brian Michael Bendis or, or, or someone that understands Superman to write the Superman film. And, and it's the same sort of thing. You know, you get... Because we're in an era for it, aren't we? You know, guys at my age and your age are now at senior positions at these gaming companies. And they've grown up with this stuff. They're ultimately fans first. And they'll create what they want to see, which is probably going to be pretty kick-ass. So, yeah, you know, I, I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. Do Well, we'll see. You know, Jedi Fallen Order, like you said, we'll see the first gameplay very, very soon, I would imagine. Like you said, is it E3, isn't it, you'd, you'd suggested? Um, yeah, next month. Yep. I don't think that's that's far. And I think we'll get a lot more from Comic-Con as well. I think we're going to get, get a little bit more from it at Comic-Con because mm-hmm. that's in July. Um, so interesting times, you, dude. It's, it's a really great point. We'll see how that pans out, but really, really interesting to uh, to hear you dig into that, man. Now, before we dig into the random spotlight, remember, if you want to become that exec producer on the show, if you want just something pretty kick-ass from Sparker Rebellion, a mug, a sticker, a tea, we're, we're very, very close to opening our tea public store, um, which is going to be set up very, very shortly. If you want any of that amazing swag and merchandise, if you want that exec producer credit on the show, you can go ahead and support us over on Patreon. Now, when we get to 150 bucks recurring every single month on Patreon, we are going to introduce a second episode each week. The Holocron Files, a little bit more depth, a little bit more content. And we're going to reinvest all of that Patreon money back into the show directly. So that's not me and guys whining and dining each other and going out and drinking all the blue milk we can find. It's actually going to go back into the show. So please go and support the show if you like it over at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. Now, the random spotlight dug up from the 20-year archives from the Phantom Menace this week is pod racing. Pod racing. Wow. That blew my mind the first time I ever saw that. I was coming off the back of, uh, remember playing Wipeout on the PS1, dude, back in the no, 97, yeah. 98, and then suddenly pod racing is part of Star Wars, and you're like, yep, I'm all over this. So, pod racing, why is it in the spotlight? Where do we want to go with it? So, pod racing, I'm, I'm, this is purely accidental, but I think we're just continuing the Phantom Menace uh, anniversary stuff still, because it made its debut, didn't it, in the episode one scene where Anakin is getting ready to to race in the in the said uh, uh, podca- uh, podcast. Anakin's in a podcast. It's called Star Wars Podcasting. It's called The Dark Side. So yeah, Anakin. Uh, this is where we get to, it's a bit, a bit of a character building uh, thing as well. I think they use pod racing as a mechanism to show you that uh, Anakin is, is, is kind of really good with building and, and making stuff. But it's also good because it shows off his, I think they kind of allude to it a little bit where because of his force ability, but it's not quite realized as yet, it does give him like really fast reflexes and and all that stuff. Because uh, as you all know, the podcasting, oh my God, 
as you all know, the pod racing scene in uh, the Phantom Menace is really, really quick. So, and it was it was done really. It's often stands. There are two things that often stand out from the Phantom Menace as being like sick. The first one is the is the lightsaber fight towards the end with Darth Maul. The other one is pod pod racing, and the way that it was made is just it really conveys that sense of speed and that sense of danger uh, throughout that entire scene. And interestingly enough. Uh, we we haven't really seen much of it, which is a shame, because the that whole scene, which goes on for about twenty minutes, I believe, that whole pod racing scene there, it goes on for quite a while, and it's quite high octane. It's really it's sort of highly charged. It's it's a bit like a cross between sort of Formula One racing and I don't know something else. But it's just like the the way that it was made, because the, the the CG is is amazing. The, the 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 scenery that's all constructed, the actual pod races themselves, and all the effects, like when somebody crashes and explodes, and and all that jazz. Uh, it just and the reason why I put it in a random spotlight is because it does feel like it's a bit of a random thing within Star Wars. It, it's only ever seen in that one little pocket, really, in the Phantom Menace, and. Uh, it's just a shame that we don't see it anywhere else because it almost feels like it's a bit of a, a well, it feels like it could be a, a galaxy-wide sport, something that's played on. They are they do it on different planets that are mentioned a little bit uh, in other stories, but in terms of mainstream Star Wars, it's only Tatooine really that you see see this going on with with young Anakin. So I feel like it should be bigger than what it is. But I, I think because they released a video game around it, which I know you like, Star Wars Pod freaking awesome because they released the, the video game around it and that sequence in the film is so good maybe that's what makes it so good because it's it's limited to just that bit it's not sort of overused and everyone's pod racing and and all that stuff so yeah man pod racing it's random because it's so unique and it, it and you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that when you go into the cinema when the phantom menace was released you wouldn't necessarily think that when you go into the cinema to watch the Phantom Menace that you would then see a racing sequence, uh, you know, because it does like the sound effects of the pod racers and then when they whiz past everything, it does have that really loud F1 engine kind of sound to it, but they've tweaked it and stuff. So pod racing, kind of random in my eyes, but should be used a bit more. I know you love pod racing. Come on. I'm of the same mind. I loved it. Like you said, it was kind of random. It was sort of a, you know, it's got its, it's got its place in the story, which is to show that, you know, I think they even have a throwaway line, which is humans shouldn't be that good at pod racing, which alludes to Anakin's Jedi, uh, Jedi future and his, his, sadly, his midichlorian count, all that kind of good stuff. And just basically <laughs> his force reflexes. So I, I, I like it for that. Interestingly as well, you know, back in the day when it came to, uh, when it came to the pod racing scene, it was the first time that you saw Jabba the Hutt back on screen, on the big screen at least, you know, obviously chronologically he's been in the Clone Wars, it's been all sorts of stuff, but you know, it was the first time we got him back on screen. And you're right, you know, it's been used pretty sparingly, you know, we've not seen that much of it. It's mentioned in, I think maybe Leah Princess of Alderaan, um, I think it's that one, or maybe it's the other one, the other, the other Princess Leia book. Uh, where she's she, she's recounting her time 
post Return of the Jedi, and she's basically you know hands off out there in the wilderness doing his thing, and he recruits a pod racer, um, and okay. he runs this galactic race as well. So you know it's it's interesting because you're right, it's, it it was used very in a very limited way, which I think gave it an air of uh, an air of kind of mythical status it was quick it was well executed it was high octane it was just, it was everything that you wanted from a, a summer action movie and it was kind of all wrapped up in this star wars wipeout style greatness which i thought was superb um so yeah man i think it's amazing i think it's 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 just one of those accidental again an accidental success one of those blue milk things where it was like okay this is cool we just want to do a really good sequence that's fast and we want to show that this kid has got you know um, it got some kind of sensitivity to the force in terms of reflexes. We could have done a fight scene, a chase scene. We could do a racing scene. You know, they chose pod racing and it stuck and it became that thing. And the arcade game, holy crap, used to love that. Go down a Hollywood Bowl when I used to live down in Crawley back in the day, 2000. <laughs> and I'd... Uh, the Crawley Massive. The Crawley Massive, bigging it up, bigging it up, yo. And we'd just head down there and they added us poppers and we'd be just jumping in the old big pod racer in the arcade. Oh, man, it was amazing in the arcade. So it's got a very special place. Uh, it has, yeah. And I think, uh, I think somebody remade it as well using the Unreal Engine quite recently. Somebody, like a fan, just remade the whole game from scratch using the Unreal Engine. It's, it's pretty awesome. There's a... If anyone wants to check it out, just YouTube it, just do a search for Pod Racing, Unreal Engine or something like that. It's really, it looks amazing as well. It's the same game, essentially, but it just looks like modern day. So there's, there's still a lot of love for the old Pod Racing. And it's, it's, it's quite good how it, it centers around the story as well, isn't it? Because the whole reason why they want Anakin to win is because they've placed a bet with Watto that if he wins, then he gets his freedom. He's no longer a slave. And that then propels you into the rest of the story. But I like all the trash talk as well. You know, Sabulba, the other, the other dude that's racing, and and all the trash talk and stuff. And yeah, and just the icing on the cake is Jar Jar getting his tongue zapped when he puts his head in between the um, in you know the linkage with the little electronic, the little yeah, yeah. It's amazing stuff, man. It is. Love it. It is. Sabulba's a dick. That's that's the takeaway from this. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Well, that's been a good episode, dude. That has been an interesting one. I'm excited about some of the news and pod racing. You're going to make me go and Google the Unreal Engine pod racing. I'm going to do that the second we've got off. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a wonderful episode. Really enjoyed it. Always enjoy chatting, dude. It's you know it's what we love doing. So thank you very much, sir. Always a pleasure. Absolutely, my man. It's uh, We're rolling now into episode eight. We're going to be up to episode 10 before you know it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So if you guys want to... Uh, join in, uh, join a part of the community, the um, join the rebellion, so to speak. Uh, just do a search for us over on all the usual social stuffs. So we're over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll you'll find us on there. Absolutely. Do not forget that you can also join us on Patreon. So go and check it out. Go and become one of the uh, one of the patrons over there. Patreon.com forward slash Spark Rebellion. Hit us up with a rating and a review. That helps us gain a little momentum in the podcast directory. So just fire up your podcast app. Give us a little rating and review. Even if you just want to give us a rating, a five-star rating goes a heck of a long way into helping us find new Star Wars fans like we are too. And 
next week we're going to come up with some more news we've got some I'm sure there's going to be something going on with the rise of Skywalker by this time next week there always seems to be something unexpected we're going to dig into another random spotlight and we're going to pick something out where we're going to have a review and discussion about it so thank you so very 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 much it's always a pleasure and uh, Gary sign us off brother as only you can thanks my man we'll see you guys next week for episode 9 until then have a great week take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always always